0: There is a new book out right now that uh, it's by retail expert Bruce Winder. It examines how businesses have been impacted before, during, and after COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, This is uh, just an incredible time for businesses, for people in the retail sector, for small businesses and and large businesses, for that matter too. Which is why the uh, the release of this book is so timely right now. Uh, We'll talk about how you can get the book a little bit later on, but I want to bring the author on right now to talk about uh, some of the stuff that he saw. And Bruce Winder, of course, is a, is a, a great author who studies these objects intensely uh, before puts pen to paper or, or finger to, I guess, uh, keyboard uh, and comes up with some great ideas and some great insights as to what we're going. So retail before, during and after COVID-19. And Bruce Winder is with us here on The Bill Keller Show. Bruce, how have you been lately?
1: Hey, not too bad. Thanks for having me on and I appreciate the kind words. I've uh, been busy just trying to get this book done and out because, as you mentioned, it's pretty timely right now to try to offer some guidance to retailers and other folks in this industry
0: we've had turnarounds in retail in the past because of various ups and downs and you know the financial world and recessions and downturns and things like that but in our lifetime bruce nothing at all like this before
1: no this is this is unprecedented i mean i'm imagining sort of back in 1930s during the great uh depression but i mean this this makes the other recessions look quite small in comparison just because of the magnitude of it i mean the duration of retailers being closed without cash coming in, and you know the pressure on the consumer in terms of really not knowing where their next meal is going to come from, if they're going to have a job, etc. So it's really unprecedented in terms of the impact, really, to the whole globe.
0: Are you surprised by the number of businesses that have fallen by the wayside and just said, we're not opening again, that's it?
1: Not really. Sadly, I'm not. I mean, I wish it wasn't the case, but unfortunately, this is so bad. I mean, you know, if you're in the retail business, it's not a high margin industry. You might be making low to mid to high single digit you know, profit. And, and if you have a bump in the road, so to speak, in terms of not having cash coming in for a while, it's pretty easy, unfortunately, to go bankrupt. And sadly, you know, when some of the government subsidies run out, um, you know, I think you're going to see even more of the problem. And it's just a really tough time.
0: But it's not just the small retailers. Uh, I mean, you know, Starbucks this week I'm announcing that they're shutting down 200 stores. Uh, you figure this is a company that's probably in pretty good financial shape, at least we thought so anyway.
1: Yeah, it's a great point. No, I mean, and what you're seeing, if you look, you're looking at different sectors. Now, for Starbucks in particular, this isn't a sign that they have problems, even though they did lose $3 billion in revenue, right, during the crisis. This is more them adapting to the new normal because more consumers are looking to buy coffee online through their app, pick it up in their stores. They may not need a full store. And let's face it, you know, people aren't exactly looking to sit down in a cafe right now. So Starbucks is sort of just trying to get ahead of the new normal, if you will, in terms of consumer behavior. But other big retailers, to your point, mostly the department stores and some of the other ones, you've seen a string of, of bankruptcies. Um, most of them are in what I would call the non-essential category, so they're not food but they're more in apparel and footwear department stores, and that's just a function of them having a fairly weak balance sheet and a fairly weak value proposition before this whole thing started.
0: One of the parts of the book here, uh, you talk about uh, the 80 top retail trends uh, as of February 2020, which which I'm sure uh, changed dramatically from the way you thought it was gonna be in January of 2020. Absolutely. Uh, I, we haven't got time for all 80, but give us a couple of highlights from that.
1: Well, some of them obviously was the growth in, e- in e-commerce, that was a big one, right? Um, yeah the growth in omni-channel, so being able to buy products the way you want. Um, At the time, one of the trends was urbanization, folks going to the cities more. Now you're seeing some people rethink moving to the cities because they can work from home and, you know, they can work remotely and things. So some of the trends have accelerated, some of the trends have changed, and some have decelerated. And that's really what I talk about in the book is sort of laying out the trends and then, oh, boy, after this whole thing happened, when the dust settles what do we make of these trends which ones are going to happen quicker and which ones aren't i mean most pundits would say that the, the coronavirus has really accelerated retail by about ten years in terms of where it was heading anyways.
0: that's an interesting point and, and I, it's been the point of speculation i think for an awful lot of people because uh, we talk about coming out the other side whenever that's going to be and what it might look like and and there are still some who suggest well we're going to go back to normal uh, Given what we've done in the last four months, I I don't know that we're ever going to go back to the way we were, and we may not even want to.
1: Yeah, I don't think we're going to go back. Some parts of retail will be similar, but, you know, what I see is you're going to see an increase in online shopping, not as much as during the virus, but a a significant increase pre versus post. You're going to see less stores. You're going to see a consolidation of the industry. So anyone who is a little weak is going to go bankrupt or bow out or be bought. Um, you're going to have less players. You're going to have consumers watch their money a little more and be a little more thrifty. You're going to see used stores, uh, used clothing stores increase in terms of sales and, and openings. Um, and it's just going to be a very different time for the consumer and for retail.
0: What about the future of bricks and mortar? With the retail and online stuff that we've done and virtual meetings and things of this nature, is is there going to be a rethinking as to, hey, do we really need an office space with uh, X number of uh, employees in it, or can we do what we've been doing for the last four or five months?
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question, and we're actually seeing companies already uh, contemplate downsizing their offices. So a number of folks have said, you know what, we don't really need this. Everyone thought productivity would drop during the virus and actually productivity soared. So a lot of companies now are looking to get that overhead off their uh, off their income statement by downsizing their offices significantly, maybe break their lease or wait till the next lease to do a changeup.
0: The other aspect of this, that, uh, and we just had this discussion a little earlier about uh, the restaurant industry, uh, which is key, I mean, you talk about some of the small businesses and, and it's one of the great success stories, even here in the Hamilton area, over the last two or three years, there's some great restaurant districts that have really just organically popped up and they're doing very, very well. Uh, but you mentioned their margins are pretty small. Uh, I had one economist tell me the other day that uh, he says when they finally get the move to, to go into phase two and said, okay, you guys can open again. Uh, he says some of them may, just may not do it. They just said, you know what, it's not here for us. The costs are, are too extravagant. We're not going to be able to do this. Uh, and the other element to this, too, is, is the kind of pressure that's put on here right now uh, is rentals. And, and the, you know, the, I know that the federal government, of course, has put a program in place here that says, uh, well, you can defer some rental payments if you're a small business for the time being. But you still got to pay that at some point in the future. And that may actually be the death knell to some of these businesses.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great analysis, and that hits the uh, the head on the the nail on the head. Um, you look at the restaurant industry; most restaurants are very low margin, low single digit margin by the time they pay everything. And uh, but they, to open up a restaurant, it costs a lot of money. You got to buy food, you got to have staff. You can only probably serve, you know, at the most half the people you did before, and it takes mm-hmm. longer. So there might not be enough uh, uh, volume there to 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 even make money under this new normal. And then to your point earlier, I mean, rent has been a pain and a thorn in the side for restaurants and all retailers, and there's a lot going on with landlords. But you're right, even if the restaurants took advantage of some of the government loans, that that could be $30,000 they have to pay back, and that could literally take decades. So it's really understandable to see why a lot of restaurants are just going to call it a day, maybe open up down the road under a different name and, and a different model.
0: Well, as one guy told me, he says, if you don't own your building, you're in big trouble. Now, that may be a, a blanket statement, but I think it's probably applicable to an awful lot of them.
1: No, I think it is. I've heard that, too. I think it's absolutely, if you own your building, you got you got a chance to survive. Without that, it's really difficult.
0: First, I, I hate to use the term winners out of all this, because this has been a, a, just a crippling time for just about everybody, but especially in retail, of course. Uh, but who's going to come out of this okay at the other end?
1: Well, companies like Amazon are going to do really well. Companies that have a well-established brand for online shopping are going to do really well. Um, some of the big players, I think, will do well if they're not in the tough categories. They're not in the, the footwear and apparel or department stores. So the Canadian Tires, the Loblaws, they're going to do just fine. Um, you're also going to see folks in the shipping industry do really really well. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the uh, Uber Eats and all folks are going to do really well as people order more. Um, so there's going to be pockets and obviously PPE manufacturers are going to do really well cause, sure. and signage manufacturers and decal manufacturers because the demand for that is going to go through the roof to make sure stores are have new protocols to protect consumers.
0: We, we talked a little bit about online shopping and, and I know this is not a new trend of course. Uh, it's been going on for quite some time, but some of the numbers we saw, I think when we talked a while ago, but this uh, a year or so ago, uh, we were surprised at how little of, of the market are actually doing online. Is that number going to increase significantly now? I mean I'm thinking of obviously you mentioned Amazon, but places like Wayfair and others like this that uh, they've become part of our lexicon right now because that seems to be where everybody is gravitating toward.
1: it's a great point, again, because you're right. Online sales, Canada was always behind the U.S. and the U.K. Um, All markets have accelerated. Um, So folks like Wayfair, you know, customers have got used to the convenience. They've got Mm -hmm. used to the convenience and the ease and the, you know, the assortment and the safety of being from home. So there's definitely some habits that have been formed, and there's going to be some stickiness to this. It might not be quite as big as during the pandemic, but you're going to see a significant increase in online shopping as a percent of sales. Versus pre-pandemic,
0: uh, which gives courier companies, I guess, an that so, Of course, we got you know the busiest, busiest cargo airport in the country here at, in Hamilton, uh, with the John C. Monroe Airport. And uh, I know it because I live just a few a couple of miles away from it. Uh, the nighttime traffic here, they, you know, next day delivery, that sort of thing. Uh, those deliveries. Uh, that, so I would imagine that's going to places like Purelator and others are probably going to benefit from this. I, I probably already are.
1: Absolutely, they're already way up in adverti- um, warehouse space. I should say. Industrial warehouses are going to go through the roof, too, because more people are going to sell online, and they want regional warehouses near the populations.
0: Uh, The book is called Retail Before, During, and After COVID-19. Bruce Winder is the author. Uh, We just mentioned Amazon a little while ago. That's uh, probably the best place to pick the book up, right?
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, It's available on Amazon and paperback or Kindle, and I'm also just uh, donating 5% of my proceeds to mental health causes in Canada and the U.S.
0: Excellent idea, uh, because that's obviously one of the topics that we've had a great deal of discussion about uh, because of the impact of COVID-19. Uh, get the book. Find out what's going on with business and where we're going to be on the other side of this. Uh, it's always an interesting read and always an educational read when, uh, when you've put a book out. Uh, thank you so much for this, Bruce. Great talking with you.
1: Yeah, you too. I really appreciate the time. Take care.
0: Take care. Bruce Winder. of course, said the retail before, during, and after COVID-19. Uh, it's going to be a must-read for an awful lot of people in the business sector, I guess, going forward.
1: The Bill Kelly Show. Weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.